Well, good morning, everybody, ACF members, friends. Yeah, all those that follow Johan van Rensburg, welcome. All those that are watching wherever you are all over the world. And some of you will be watching this now. Some of you will be watching it later in your time zone and um, or when it's convenient for you. But I just want to welcome each and every one of you. So the Lord bless you. Trust that you're keeping strong, keeping the faith keeping your hope, holding your head up high. He is our shield, our buckler, our rampart. He is our very great reward. He's the Lord in front of us, behind us, beneath are the everlasting arms. He is the canopy over us. He's the pillar of fire by night. He's the cloud that gives us shade by the day. The Lord is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. So he's everything. He's everything to us and he's all that we need and he said you'd never leave us never forsake us all who put their hope in him would never be put to shame so uh, keep the faith homut uh, in afrikaans just keep going so bless you and lead us in some worship just excited about this morning amen hallelujah let me just take a sip here <laughs> hallelujah Showing me 
gates of destiny A change from everything around So take me by the hand And show me what you're planning I want to be a part of your design And guide me by the heart And show me what's the future Wanna be used by you. We wanna be used by you. So don't put me over. I'm waiting for you broken. I wanna be used by you. Can't be 
When the young men see the visions, when the old men dream the dreams, your sons and daughters see the future, speaking words of prophecy. And when the earth and the skies are filled with blood and fire, then the days of wonder, the days of wonder are upon us. Oh, yes, the days of wonder. Oh, Lord, our heart is crying out. 
blessing. Words taken exactly um, almost precisely out of Joel chapter 2, quoted again in Acts chapter 2. We are really living in the days of wonder. Unusual days as far as the physical is concerned, but um, you know, we're going to continue to see the wonders of God. So welcome everybody. I trust you've got your coffee, your rusks, or whatever that you've got. This is the only time that you're allowed to bring coffee and rusks and whatever into church is when it's on live stream and you're in your own lounge or your own office. But uh, so good to have you with us. And oh my goodness, um, <clears throat> I don't know why I started. Well, I do know why I started the series on the end of the world, the end of the age, and uh, it's brought a tremendous amount of reaction, positive. And um, I just wanted to say that uh, one of the pastors down in the Cape messaged me and had a dream or a vision and um, he said that um, in the vision, he saw me and, and basically the end of the story is the end of the vision is, or the point of the vision is this, is that, that, um, that when I came into the room full of pastors and ministers, that I was lifting my hands and I was just saying, Riss in Frieda, Riss in Frieda, rest and peace. And he felt that what that is what this particular series is doing is bringing rest and peace to people. So I'm so glad that you've joined me. And um, I've got a lot of information that I want to quickly fly through. You're going to have to remind yourself, I'm only going to touch on a couple of things of part one as we go into part two. And uh, then we will continue on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. having a whole look at it because there are so many preachers going around and breaking every principle of interpretation. And that way you can make scripture say anything. It can fit any time. And uh, of course, you are the interpreter, so you the hold the key, key to the interpretation um, of it. And, and you know, there's, there's people doing it and it's bringing such fear. Listen, there's enough to worry about with the COVID-19 virus and our jobs and the economy without having to worry about, you know, a vaccine that contains the mark of the beast and we'll never be able to buy or sell. It's a lot of nonsense. And uh, what did you say? I said it's a lot of nonsense. And so I just want to go through it. Why am I teaching this now is because, um, you know, I touched on it last week. The, the, the crucifixion of Jesus was at the end of the previous age, world translated eon. And it was the beginning of the next world, the next eon, the next age. So Christ was sacrificed once for all at the end of the age. Um, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world when he died his death became the foundation of the new world. It engaged a new heaven, a new earth, new governing principles, new covenant, new everything. And uh, so the heavenly bodies were changed, if I can put it that way. Those who were stars before fell, and now we are the stars that shine in the universe. The sun of righteousness has risen upon us with healing in his wings. And, um, you know, Song of Solomon shows that we are the moon that reflects his glory. So there's so much... Um, that we can go into it. 
And listen, if it boggles your mind, just sit back, dunk your rust, have a have a bite and disengage and then come back because you can just go back and review. But I hope you're ready, fasten your seatbelt. So let's have a go at sharing with you what I want to share with you. I, you know, I can't in a few sessions, you know, cover every single thing and every verse, for example, in the book of Revelations. Um, firstly, I don't know all of it. And secondly, um, you know, we're still getting revelation on it. But if we can dismantle, you know, and take out the, the key, key parts of the edifice, we can take out the foundation, that whole edifice of the second coming and, you know, the rapture and the mark of the beast, it all crumbles in a heap and we can pick it apart. So remember again, Hebrews 10, 27, Jesus said in the volume of the book, it's written about me. Isaiah 34 verse 16 says, seek ye out of the book, that book, that volume. Um, he says, and read, not one of these shall fail, none shall <clears throat> want to mate. In other words, not one prophecy will want for its mate. Just like in the animal kingdom, um, the animals find their mate. So scriptures need to be found, you know, the mate, mate in this book of truth this volume of the book, and then is prophecy fulfilled. So let's fix the bigger picture, then everything else will fall into place. So once again, the timing of Jesus' prophecy. And so if you read Matthew 24, uh, Luke's parallel version is in Luke 21. Mark's parallel version is in Mark 13. But you kind of have to put it together with Daniel 7, 8, 9, I suppose 10, 11, but 7, 8, 9, and 12. And those are the passages where that whole end time doctrine is taken from, but notably from Matthew chapter 24. And uh, so just a note, Matthew uh, records this discourse in chapter 24, but he has a great big revelation for you. And that is that Revelations 24 follow, I mean, Matthew 24 follows Matthew 23. And so this discourse in Matthew 24 that we read actually began in Matthew chapter 23. And it's really interesting that um, he was speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. It was only when they went out of the city onto the Mount of Olives that he made that remark about, you know, Jerusalem and the temple and that not one stone being left on top of another. But the amazing thing is that in uh, Matthew chapter 23, he pronounces seven woes on the scribes and the Pharisees. Isn't it incredible that there are woes in the book of Revelation? Uh, you know, you, it's not coincidental. So the disciples on the Mount of Olives asked Jesus a threefold question or a three-part question relating to the same time frame initiated by the statement of Jesus. Look at these stones, not only on the temple, but on the city, not one left on top of the other. So they asked him privately, when shall these things be? When? When? So the time. And the secondly, so what shall be the time of your coming and the, and, and the, the sign of the end of the world? Now, isn't it interesting that the disciples already knew about the end of the world? Where did they get that from? You know, Jesus had made some mention during his ministry, but of course, you know, them as Jews, they would have been very aware uh, of the prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. And, 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 you know, the subsequent chapters as well. So they knew from Daniel 9, 26 and other Old Testament scriptures what was going to happen. So they were saying, okay, we've read it in the Old Testament, but we don't know where the time is. Jesus, are you indicating the time when you're saying this? So that's why they're asking, when will it happen? And what are the sign that this will happen in the sign of your coming? And so these were the last days. 
that were leading up first of all to Jesus, to the establishment of the new world. But then there was a 40 year period, the, 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 the grace of God to give a generation, a time to repent and to change. And uh, because God is not willing, Second Peter says, that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. And, um, and that's why John says in the book of Revelation, he said, I'm the companion in the kingdom and the suffering uh, the, or the tribulation and in the patience of Christ. So he went through that patient period and then through the destruction of Jerusalem, um, AD 70 and beyond. So the last days were, were there ending from the cross, ending uh, at AD 70 with that destruction. So the, the crucifixion was then the ending of one world, the founding of another world with a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I'm just going to throw it in here because I've got a question from somebody to say, all right, this week, are you going to get onto the second coming? Well, um, I've already intimated at it, and that was this is the second coming. So now I'm going to use the rest of the session, oof, I've got to rush, to dismantle and take this whole thing apart and to lay another foundation. So Matthew 24, 34, Jesus said, this generation, you people that I'm talking to, this age, um, and particularly this group of people, um, it will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. This judgment would not fill, fall on the other cities in their known world, that Oikodomer wouldn't fall there. It was going to fall upon this generation. It was particularly to the Jews, the destruction of Jerusalem. So we will talk about that. So just very quickly, I just want to remind you, um, a lot of people say Jesus confused, you know, he's a false prophet. And this is one of the reasons why, because, you know, they, you know, there was a, the intimation of and the direct statements that he'd be coming soon. And it's more than 2000 years later, and he hasn't come. And so Revelations 1 verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants, things which must shortly come to pass. Verse 3, the time is at hand. Verse 7, Behold, he cometh with the cloud. So he's coming. And, and that's almost like a present tense, present tense thing. Uh, 22 verse 6, which must shortly be, be done. Uh, verse 7, 22. Behold, I come quickly. 22, 10. For the time is at hand. 22, 12. I come quickly. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, he says there, uh, um, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. That's not some future time, because Jesus said it in Matthew 16, verse uh, 26. He said the same thing, that those disciples, that those people would be alive when he came back and he would reward them according to his work. Revelations 22, verse 20. He which testifies these things said, surely I come quickly. Now, I don't know about you. Um, you know, maybe God is like a South African now, now, just now, you know, not now. But um, when he said come quickly, it didn't mean in excess of 2000 years. So beginning with Matthew 24, let's just revisit, recap a little bit. Jesus gives a prophetic agenda when they said, when will it happen? So now he's giving a prophetic overview, a prophetic agenda to show them when is the time. So the first thing is that we need to step back into chapter 23 briefly again. And uh, the denouncements of the scribes and the Pharisees, the seven woes, and the, the amazing thing it was for that eon, for that time, the removal of the temple and the city. So listen to what Jesus says. And, you know, it sounds like hard words to the scribes and Pharisees, but remember they outright rejected Jesus. He came to his own, his own received him not. Um, you builders were supposed to accept me, the stone, but you rejected the stone outright. And not only that, they were planning to kill him, which they did do. So they symbolize the religious order and the system. They were the embodiment of the entire system. 
So it wasn't so much a personal thing as a, a, a universal thing as far as the worship of Israel. They were the tangible, visible manifestations of that power, the actual powers that determined the political, social, economic, and the religious world that surrounded Jesus and his disciples. They were literally the powers that be. They were the heavenly and they were the earthly powers. One theologian said this, the battle that Jesus had was um, against the spirituality of institutions against the ideologies and leg legitimations that prop them up, against the greed and covetousness that gives them life, and against the idolatry of individual egocentricities. And, and you know, Jesus said it, you know, you want all the praise and, you know, in the marketplace and pray loud prayers and the longest phylacteries and all that kind of thing. So here's the thing, and I'm just going to throw it in now, and I don't want to confuse you, but Hey, we're dealing with a subject. I might as well throw some stuff at you. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, verse 4, where Paul says the God of this world, this age, not the cosmos world, the God of this world has blinded the minds of believers so they cannot see the light of the glory of God in this gospel that I'm preaching. You know, that very well could be, and I'm almost sure that what that it was the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious system, which was the God, the governing principle of that age of the Jews. In the same Ephesians 6.12, when Paul said, our, our, our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. So it's not against them. It's against that whole system and obviously energized by the devil because he loves to condemn. And that's what the law was all about and judge. Uh, principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is amazing that the 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 Pharisees were called, you know, the rulers of the synagogue. So it's very um, interesting. So just throwing that out there. And uh, so the woes, the judgments actually began earlier with the cursing of the fig tree. And I want to deal that with that next week because the cursing of the fig tree was um, symbolic. I mean, the, the fig tree was actually cursed, but it was a symbolic thing for, for religious Pharisaism. And he cursed it because it was not producing fruit in its time. And you remember Jesus said, the kingdom is going to be taken from you and given to another who will produce its fruit. So these were telling judgments. And, and of course, the timing of it. So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 35. Making good progress. Hang on there. Dunk to us. Eat it if you, it's too much. Matthew 23, 35. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berakai or Jehoiada, I think it was, who you murdered between the temple and the altar. And the interesting thing is it would include Jesus' blood and other prophets. So it was all of them because, you know, when Pilate said, should I release him? You know, okay, washed his hands. He said, okay, I'm free of his blood. The people stood there and said, his blood is on us and our children. So it's significant that it was upon them and their children that the judgment, the destruction of Jerusalem came. So the innocent blood of Jesus was added. The amazing thing is they reap, reaped what they sowed because Josephus records the historian eyewitness of the siege and destruction of Jerusalem at that time says 500 Jews and more were sometimes crucified in a day while Titus was besieging the city. Tell at length, they wanted room for crosses are his exact words. So Jesus said, Matthew 23, 36, all this will come on this generation. Verse 37, you know how he wept over Jerusalem saying, I long to gather you, but you were not willing. And then verse 38, he says, look, your house is left to you desolate. Desolate, desolate, log that word, desolate, underline it, highlight it, desolate. Your house is left to you de de desolate. And in verse 
Um, Matthew 23, I think it must be verse 39, maybe it's verse 32. Fill you up then the measure of your fathers. In other words, what Jesus was saying, go ahead, fill up your transgression, get it to the maximum because judgment is coming. So which further established the, the last days and the end of the world. So I'm going to throw it in again. We are in this subject talking about the coming of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So let's look. Jumping back into 24, um, you know, there's not time to go everything. So I'm just going to just quickly touch on it. Jesus said, here's the order of sequence. Here's the prophetic agenda. You want to know the time? You want to know when and what the signs are, uh, you know, of the coming of the Son of Man and, and, you know, the destruction and all of this. He said, first, false Christ. Secondly, wars and rumors of wars. Then he says, but the end isn't yet. And uh, then nation will rise up again against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famine, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. But it's still not the end. This is only the beginning of the sorrows. You will be delivered. You will be delivered up. So, I mean, can you not see the time frame? I don't know how these people project it into the future. You will be delivered up. You, you, not you, you will be delivered up. Come on, dunk the rusk, have it. So you will be delivered up, afflicted, afflicted, killed and hated, many offended, betraying and hating one another, false prophets deceiving many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. He says, but he that shall endure to, unto the end, to that end, the same shall be saved. And then this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall come the end. And remember, Paul said this gospel is preached all over the world. Well, it wasn't preached in America. It wasn't preached down in Africa. It was preached in the Orchidemea, that then known world. He says it in Ephesians. He says it in Colossians. So that's something that I touched on. So that was the sign. And then he says, once you've reached the end of the world, um, that's when the end comes. And Paul was saying, hey, this gospel has been preached all over the world and to, to every creature under heaven, that academia, that world. So Paul was sitting right at the end of the last of the last days before the destruction of Jerusalem. Before, I'm going to chuck it in again, you're going to get it, the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Son of Man. And then Jesus continues with the prophetic agenda. He says, so the end will come. And then he says, and then you'll see the abomination that causes desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel. Ah, so we're going to look at that a little bit next week. So the abomination that causes desolation. Now, remember, what did he say to the, to the scribes and Pharisees, Matthew 23, your house will be left to you desolate. So there's going to be someone who's going to cause this desolation to make you desolate. So what was the abomination that causes desolation? You know, they're talking about one day the temple will be rebuilt, these other guys. One day the temple will be built, someone's going to sacrifice a pig or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. And, um, but what was the abomination that causes desolation? Daniel spoke about it in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And he said, he shall come, and that's the prince of his people, will come confirm the covenant with one, with many for one week. So he's going to come and confirm the covenant. One week, seven. And then in the midst of the weeks, three and a half. I'm just going to throw it in there. Three and a half. How long was the ministry of Jesus? Three and a half years. Okay. Something for you to think about. And uh, he shall cause the sacrifice, and the grain offerings, the oblations to cease. So Jesus did. You know, he was sacrificed once for all. The end of the, oh, I love this stuff. End of the ages, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews 8, 19, all of those, you know, once for all at the end of the ages, sacrificed, no other sacrifices. So he caused that to cease. And then he says, and for the overspreading of abominations or the corner of the altar, another translation, he shall make it desolate. Here it comes again, 
desolate, even until the consummation, the end, the final end. And that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate or that will cause them to become desolate. Really, really interesting. So, so NIV says he will put an end to the sacrifice and offerings. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Not he, but, you know, it will be allowed to be permitted, you know, which is part of the judgment. Now, listen to this. In Luke 21, verse 20, so what is the abomination that causes desolation? That was spoken of um, in Daniel, um, and then I think Daniel chapter 7 or Daniel chapter 9. Anyway, we'll look at it next week. And so if you put Matthew, Luke, and Mark together, Mark says you will, you will see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it should not be standing. Where? In the holy city or around the holy city. But Luke is more specific. He says... Um, he says in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation therefore thereof is nigh. It's here. Okay. So we can see that these are the days um, of vengeance. These are the days of the coming. These are the days. This is the prophetic agenda. So when you see the abomination that causes desolation, then you know that the end is at hand. And then Jesus continues and talks about the heavens being shaken and you know, sun, moon, and stars, and all of that kind of thing. But let's just rush on and um, get get to where I want to go. So more about Daniel 70 weeks later. So Jesus continues now. He says, those living in Judea must flee. Um, so he says, those in Judea, you know, run to the mountains, run everywhere. So listen, if this is the second coming, you know that these other guys talk about, it's the second coming, and it's in for our time. Please pray tell me, how are we, and we're not living in Judea, how are we going to run to the mountains? Gosh, I'm sure someone never thought, thought of that before. I must stop being sarcastic. All right. So it, in other words, it was local and was in, in, in their particular time. So Jesus said, he continues, as lightning that comes from the east is visible in the west, so shall come be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, it's going to be visible. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be swift. Daniel says it's going to come. The end is going to come like a flood, unexpected overwhelming when Matthew 24 28 where there's a carcass there the, the the vultures will gather and you know that vultures gather around a dead corpse well what Jesus was saying is Israel you are dead in your sin and transgression and the Roman army of the vultures and they're going to come and gather around you so Jesus continues this is his prophetic agenda immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened the moon shall not give a light and the star shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Woo, woo, woo. I love it. And then shall appear, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. In other words, now he is going to be in the heavens. You've got to get this, man. And I'm loving this. I'm really loving this. And then he says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, not in the sky, in the heaven, not in the sky, in the heaven. And then shall the tribes of the earth, that's Judea, that's the Oikodomai, Mene, mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We're going to come on to it. I know I'm saying a lot, but at least it's recorded. And you've got to rewind later. You've got to review. You can sit and watch it again. I've studied hours and hours and hours and hours of stuff. So what I'm trying to tell you is I'm going to give it to you whether you like it or not. So enjoy it. So the Son of Man, the sign of the Son of Man shall appear in heaven, not the sky. The heavens will be shaken. Sun, moon darkened, the moon not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. So in other words, those powers will be out of heaven, 
and then the Son of Man will be in heaven. We're gonna, you're gonna understand that a bit later. You record it desolate, you see desolate. Okay, record this about the powers in the heavens. And then shall he send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The sound of a trumpet. It's interesting that first Thessalonians, it's a great trumpet. But those are also references into the Old Testament. Whenever there were sacred assemblies, whenever the whole nation of Israel had to gather for their festivals and feasts, trumpets would be sounded. And so basically we're saying, Jesus was saying, when AD 70 is destroyed, it's going to be like the trumpeting sound from the, from the heavens in the spiritual realm, and I'm going to gather my people. Listen, this is going to be not the Jews now. This is going to be an assembly. This is the gathering of those together who put their faith in Jesus Christ because it's a new world, a new order, and a new time from the four corners of the earth. It won't just be oikodome. It'll be cosmos from the whole world. So he's gathering his church, his kingdom. Come on. It was the beginning, the full beginning of the kingdom of God. So, and then he says this, um, you know, that, um, you know, the parable of the fig tree, you know, you know, when the, it's summer, because the fig tree starts to put forth its blossoms. He didn't say Israel is the blood, you know, the fig tree basically was saying that, you know, just like a tree is budding, then, you know, summer's coming. And, uh, you know, we experiencing the converse now where we are in South Africa, because we're going into winter. So everything is going out of leaf and out of fruitfulness. And Jesus was saying, so it was a sign. When you see all these things happening, this prophetic agenda, no, summer is near, no, the timing is right at hand. So here's the key reference before we deal with the coming of the son of man. Um, many re refer this mistakenly to the second coming. Let's look at what Jesus said to the high priest in the Sanhedrin. So we back, no, we're not backing up. We're going forward. Now we looked at 23 Matthew, we looked at 24. Now he was on his trial in front of the Sanhedrin in the middle of the night. And this is what the chief priest says to him, the high priest says to him in 2663, um, you know, asking him if he's the Messiah, but Jesus held his peace and the high priest held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the son of God. So Jesus says unto him, now you've got to listen to this. Man, I love this. I mean, I can see that edifice of the, the end of the world just collapsing. Oh, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. And he says this to the chief priest. He says this. Jesus says to him, thou hast said, you've said it. You've said I'm the Christ. Nevertheless, I say unto you, year after, after this, year after, just after this, you shall see. You, ye Sanhedrin, you shall see. Okay, I'm just going to repeat that because this bears worth repeating. Another, another brick taken out of the edifice to the Sanhedrin, the chief priest. You will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the, of the power of or of the majestic power and coming with the clouds in the clouds of heaven. You're going to see it. You guys sitting here, put me on trial, you're going to see me coming, uh, sitting at the right hand of the majesty or the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now look at the immediate response of the chief priest, rents his clothes and he says to the others around him, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you've heard this blasphemy. What think he? They answered and said he's guilty of death. What, what a reaction, you know, um, why this reaction? Because they knew the prophecy of Daniel. It was an, an exact quote about the ancient of days setting up 
courts. In other words, it's a time of judgment. And then, you know, Jesus coming in, one is the son of man and uh, being given power and authority and dominion of all nations to rule and to reign and that he would be coming in the clouds of glory and he'd be in heaven and he'd be sitting at the right hand of majesty and Jesus takes that language and he applies it to himself and he says I'm the son of man I am the son of God and I've been given all power all authority and all dominion isn't it amazing but he was under their authority but he was actually saying I'm in authority over you. You're judging me, but I'm telling you that I'm the judge that's going to bring judgment. The day of vengeance is now upon you. Man, it's no wonder that they got upset with him. So, you know, and that's mentioned in Daniel 7, verse 13. So I'm not going to go much more into it. Um, so in other words, he said that they would see him come in the cloud, sitting in a place of power, which meant that this was all going to take place right now and in their generation, and they would be witnesses of it. And uh, so isn't it amazing? That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, immediately after tribulation of those days, that you would see the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. So this was the sign of the Son of Man, Daniel, in the heavens that he's now talking about in Matthew 24. So the destruction of Jerusalem, the old worship system, would be and the old worship system would be the sign to the nations that Jesus now had all power in heaven and on earth, which he said in Matthew 28, and was now ruling as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords in his spiritual kingdom, and uh, about to establish his church. So now this is especially for Lisa Swart uh, watching, and that is let's talk about the coming of the Son of Man. So people mistakenly teach about. Oh, the second coming, the second coming, it's any day now. The second coming, get ready, get ready. You've got to get ready. The second coming is coming now. Well, I think I've given scripture upon scripture upon scripture in context, finding its mate so that prophecy can be fulfilled to show that the destruction of Jerusalem was the coming of the Son of Man, fulfilling Daniel 7 to Daniel 12. And uh, uh, Jesus said, that they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So he gave all the signs leading up to it in that generation. So a lot of people take it out of context and they say, you know, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Well, that was the last days then. And the love of many did grow cold then. You know, in the last days, men will be love, more lovers of pleasure, lovers of God. And they refer to this time. Look, in every generation, you find it. But, but, but it's not a whole generation of the entire world who are apostate and backslidden and cold and lovers of pleasure. No, no, the church of Jesus Christ is growing. I mean, you just got to go and, and look at the stats and see that the kingdom of God is expanding Born-again Christians are, are expanding, so there's no great apostasy at this point in time, and neither is there one coming because the kingdom of God is increasing and is filling the earth. So, so those were all the signs, and it was not going to be a physical appearance. Now, I've got to just say this again. It was not going to be a physical appearance where they would look up and somehow see in those cumulonimbus clouds, Jesus standing there in the clouds parting and the sun shining through beautiful pictures. I love them. Stirs me. But that's not the biblical picture. If you use it symbolically as it is in the Bible, great, you know, but it's not a physical appearance, but it's metaphorical. 
And it's metaphorical for him coming and changing the world order, changing the age and exercising his power and dominion over the world and his right to judge the nations. And that's what we're going to look at. So coming on the clouds is a well-known Old Testament term for God coming in salvation to his people and in judgment to his enemies, okay? And in other words, to those who've rejected him. So, um, so here's the, here it is, I'm answer, answering the question and uh, I'm going to have to modify it or uh, qualify it a little bit in a later session as I endeavor to, you know, put a little bit more as far as the future is concerned. But this was not futuristic for us. This was all futuristic for the people of Israel and, and Judah and it ended AD 70. Okay, so he's coming. So when he talks about the sign of the coming of the son of man, you'll see him in the clouds, you'll see him in the, well, in, in the heavens and you know these certain things that are gonna happen. I wanna just take you through, just walk you through a couple of key scriptures in the Old Testament. And uh, many times, in the Old Testament, it talked about God coming in the clouds, not a physical appearance, as I said, but metaphorically. So coming on the clouds is a well-known Old Testament term. So 104 verse 3 of Psalms, he layeth his beams, the beams of his chambers in the waters, who makes maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Isn't it interesting that all the way through the Old Testament, they would all see it as metaphorical, symbolic. But when they come to Matthew 24, it's literal. And that's what I'm saying. They break the rules of uh, interpretation and, and of hermeneutics and, and you know, the understanding the Bible. Isaiah 19 verse 1, talking about um, Egypt, the burden of Egypt. Uh, beyond, behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud, swift because he's going to come swiftly and shall come into Egypt. And the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence. And the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. In other words, there was a judgment coming on Egypt. And you can read through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and how God pronounced judgment, not only on Israel and Judah and Samaria, but all the surrounding Ijumea, Bosra, Edom, you know, all the nations, Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, he prophesied judgment over them. Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds of the dust of his feet. So in other words, this imagery of God coming in the clouds is what's being brought over now with Jesus. It'll be the sign in the heavens, the son of man coming in the clouds. And so in the Old Testament, it was God coming to judge, to save his people and judge the nations. Now in the book of Matthew, oh, it's Jesus coming, the Lord of glory coming, or the son of man coming, should I say, son of man. I need to keep my terminology specific. So in Isaiah 13, verses 9 to 11, this is the, um, you know, prophecy, the destruction of the Medes and the Persians, um, defeating the king of Babylon. Jeremiah 4, uh, 13 to 14, Ezekiel 30, verse 3, Ezekiel 30, verses 18 to 19, judgment on Egypt, God using a foreign army, but in coming in the clouds, Nahum chapter 1, verses 2, 2 to 6, uses the same biblical imagery as, as is used in the book of Revelation to describe his coming in judgment, and the clouds are described as the dust of the Lord's feet. I've got to hurry, I've only got 12 minutes left, and Zephaniah 1, 14 to 17, same thing, and so dunk the rest, have a cup of coffee, just, just relax. So relax. So in other words, when Jesus was saying, you'll see the sign of the son of man in heaven, you'll see him on the clouds. He was talking about using that imagery, bringing it over 
not a literal physical appearance where people would see him, but they would see him in the signs. And behind the scenes, there would be all this shaking and this changing of heaven and earth and government. Okay, so it makes sense of a couple of New Testament verses. Um, Matthew 16, 27, the Son of Man shall come in the glory. So Jesus said this quite a few chapters earlier. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verse 28, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I mean, how much more, how much more accurate can it be? How much more evidence do you want um, to understand that when Jesus was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, that was his second coming. Wow. So in John 28, Jesus, that whole conversation between Peter and John and, um, you know, Jesus saying, Peter, when you get old, this is what's going to happen to you. And Peter then says, what about John? And he says, well, if I want him to remain until the end or the end of the age in the world, what's that to you? And so they all thought that John wasn't going to die. But Jesus was basically saying to Peter, you're going to die before AD 70, but John is not. Very interesting that history declares that John the Baptist, uh, not John the Baptist, John the Apostle, Apostle John, was the only disciple that was still alive post AD 70 on the Isle of Patmos. That's why I said, I'm your companion in the tribulation, the suffering, or the, the, you know, suffering the tribulation and the kingdom, or the patience, tribulation and the kingdom. So, so the coming of the Lord was there, but I just need to just throw this in. Um, I hope you don't mind. Let me just throw it in now. Johanna's waiting patiently that, you know, with the coming of the Lord, um, or the coming of the son of man. So the sign would be in the heavens, be in the clouds, metaphorical language, coming to save his people, um, those that believed in him, as many as received him, to them gave you the right to become the, you know, the sons of God, whilst he came to the world, the cosmos, the world didn't know him, came to his own, you know, the Oikodumea, the, to his people, they rejected him, they received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons, the son of, sons of God. So with it, with the, this, this coming now, that there were a lot of Old Testament scriptures about the day of the Lord. So it's quite confusing when people try to understand the day, the coming of the day, the day of his wrath, um, the day of the Lord. And, and you know that there were quite a few days of the Lord, you know? So in other words, when judgment came on Basra, on Idumea, on Egypt, that was a day of the Lord for them. The day of the Lord was judgment. But fortunately for us, the day of the Lord is salvation. But for them, it was, it was judgment. And so the day of the Lord or the great day was that was the, the reference was particularly for Israel, for Judah, and that was the day of wrath. So Daniel 8, 19, he said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. That was what the angel came and said to Daniel, because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end, you know, talking about this time, because he goes on in chapter 12, as one to say, there'll be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. And, and I want to tell you the day of distress was for the Jews. Listen, what happened, it was terrible, the destruction of Jerusalem, but it wasn't worse than what Hitler did. It wasn't worse than what Stalin did. For them, it will be the worst up until that time. So the Great Tribulation is not going to be this cosmic thing that eclipses any other catastrophe by this, this you know, man possessed of the devil they call the, the, the individual called the Antichrist. Oh, my word. So the day of the Lord um, is not you know, kind of the final day of judgment. Here it refers um, to, to the end of, end of the Jewish age. 
So the day of the Lord should, could designate a day in the immediate historical future. Well, it does. So there's quite a few days. Amos 5.18, Isaiah 2, uh, verse 12 says, the Lord Almighty has a day in store, and so on and so on and so on. The great and notable day of the Lord come mentioned in Acts chapter 2 is particularly the one that's for the Jews. So I just need to mention this because I want to lock it in again into our, you know, uh, end of the world uh, um, uh, references in the Gospels. And so the great and notable day of the Lord. Now, you remember that time when Jesus went into the temple and he picked up the scroll and he rolled it to where Isaiah, in Isaiah, you know, in our modern translations would be Isaiah 61 verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And so Luke quoting it, Jesus reads this passage, rolls up the scroll, hands it to the attendant, sits down and says, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Oh my goodness me. And once again, the reaction of the Jews, who is this? This Jesus is a carpenter, something. And they took him and they wanted to throw him over a hill and he disappeared out of their midst supernaturally because it wasn't his time. So listen to what he says. He, he says, uh, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Listen, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus stops there. Luke doesn't record that he's, he goes to the part B of that same sentence. But Isaiah 61 verse 2 says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And they knew very well what that scripture meant because that's why they reacted. And so Jesus was saying, this is my ministry. First, the acceptable year. So you should Accept me because this is what I've come to do. I've come to take you out of your blindness, to take you out of your prison. The power of the Lord is present to heal you of your Pharisaism and your dead religion, but they rejected him. And so there was coming a time, was soon coming, that he would also be pronouncing the day of vengeance of our God. So now, remember I said Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark is Mark 13. So in Luke 21, Luke records this concerning this exact period of time when he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. He says this, Luke 21, verse 22, quoting Jesus, for these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So listen, the day of the Lord, come on church, negatively in judgment is not coming, you know, the second coming and it's going to be judgment, it's going to be wrath and it's going to be all of these kinds of things and pestilences and mark of the beast and tribulation and you know breaking of the covenant and then he's going to sacrifice a pig on the rebuilt temple oh my goodness me and and so it was then so it's very clear that jesus and the new testament writers were using biblical imagery to describe the destruction of jerusalem the ending of the old worship system and the change from law to grace now just as we come to a close would you mind uh we've got three minutes and then johannes coming back You've got to understand that when Jesus talked about and, and, and using the image from the past, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and not in the sky and in the clouds, um, you know, he was talking about, as I mentioned, all the judgments. So we're reviewing. So the second coming was then. The, the coming of the Son of Man was then. And, um, and, and, and so it was with wrath, it was judgment, not for the whole world. It was for them. Very interesting that John 
tells us in his epistles, 1 John, 2 John, he says the Antichrist is already in the world. They were part of us. They've gone out from amongst us. And so the Antichrist was there. There's not some future thing. And he talked about the Antichrist in the plural, Antichrists, plural, okay? All right, so let's, let's continue. New heaven and new earth, mentioned in 2 Peter 3, Revelations 21 and other places. Again, as biblical imagery to indicate judgment, destruction, listen to this, and change of government or government principle. Remember, we, we looked at that with some of the other nations. So Joel 2, verses 1 to 11, he spoke about these things. But in verse 10, he says, before then the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. If you look at Revelation 6, 13 to 16, exactly the same language. If we jump back to the passage that we've anchored this whole um, teaching on in Matthew 24, verse 29, Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the destruction of Jerusalem, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers, the powers, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and it's all going to fall out. It's amazing that in Genesis 1, um, God said the lights in the heavens, you know, the sun, moon, and the stars are for times, for years, for seasons, and they're for signs. It later, two verses later, says they rule the day, and they rule the night. So that's where the imagery is borrowed from. So those heavenly bodies, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, oh, what is the word? Symbolic system talks about government, you know, ruling principles that rule. And now we say the, 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 the coming of Jesus with the destruction of Jerusalem, the ending of the Old Testament sacrifices is the shaking of the heavens and the powers those heavenly bodies fall. In other words, we need now a new heaven and a new earth. We need a new sun, a new moon, and new stars. It's really interesting. Jesus is the son of righteousness that has risen. No need of any light because the, the lamb is the light. And we are the moon that reflects the light as the church. Paul says, if you hold on to this word of faith, you shine like stars in the universe. Oh, my goodness. Don't you just love the word? Isn't it rich and deep? I'm almost sure, uh, um, you know, maybe it's taste, taste comfort. I'm almost sure I can hear. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. So they'll be shaken. That's what Jesus said. And, amen. Uh, find examples. I heard the amen from, from Johan. You can find these examples. Ezekiel 37. Isaiah 34, the host of heaven, you know, all, you know, shaken, uh, Matthew 24, 29. Uh, but here's the key one. Here's the key one. And then we're going to close and Johan is going to come online with us and just lead us out in worship. Here's the key one. Now, Hebrews 8, Hebrews 10 talks about the time that's coming where, where um, God says, well, I'll make a new covenant with Israel. It won't be like the former covenant. It'll be written, the law will be written on your hearts and in your minds. No longer will you need your, your neighbor have to teach you know the Lord because you'll all know the Lord. So, so be a new covenant. Oh, come on. You know, not the old covenant, new covenant. Not the covenant, the governing principles of the old world order. A new covenant for new creatures, new creation in the new world order. And, and listen to where it's prophesied in Jeremiah 31. It's also in Ezekiel. But verse 31 he says, behold, the days come, said the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. 
And so there was a divorce, okay? But this shall be the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, after those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in the inward parts and right in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach them more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. You can find that in the book of Hebrews, those chapters that I mentioned. Wow, and we, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then we pause there and listen, man, I had to jump up on my chair, run around this dining lounge area and go, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I've never, why have I never seen this before? So I taught myself, I learned stuff in preparing this. So I've, I've got to close. Listen to what he says in the very next verses, 35, 36, we never read it. He says, thus saith the Lord, which give the sun for a light by day and the ordinance of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divided the sea when the waves thereof rule, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me. Come on. So he was going to talk about, now he had a covenant with the, the moon and the stars that, you know, you know, the word would only be um, null and void if the sun and moon did stop shining. But anyway, but the bigger picture, and, and this is actually what Jeremiah is trying to say, is, is that I'm going to be breaking covenant with the sun and the moon and the stars, which are part of that order, and I'm going to establish a new one. So Hebrews 8.13, in that he said, the new covenant he made, the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. NIV says, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and was obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Isn't it amazing? Now Jesus says, ye are the light of the world, the city on the hill cannot be hidden. That's why, quoting Haggai, Paul talks about it in Hebrews, the shaking, and it's mentioned here as well, the shaking that Jesus spoke about, the shaking that Joel spoke about, would loosen up those heavenly bodies and they would fall. That's why I'm saying this, the scribes, the Pharisees, the leader of that religious order were the powers and they fell because God was bringing in a new government and the government shall be upon his shoulders and we together with him. So the coming of the Lord was the destruction of Jerusalem. The day of the Lord was the destruction of Jerusalem. The new heaven, the new earth was the passing away of the first prior to that and after that destruction. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's the home of the righteous. The new heaven and the new earth, Second Peter chapter 3. So I want to just speak to you as Johann joins me now and just say, Riss and Frieda, rest in peace, rest in peace. Let's, let's take away one agitation, one thorn that's needling everybody. Um, even if they come out with a vaccine, it's not the mark of the beast. It's not. It's an attempt to curb the pandemic as far as natural human wisdom is concerned. I trust that this has brought peace to your heart peace to your mind, peace to your soul. Just very quickly for ACF people, family and friends, especially um, in the surrounding countries that are, on a, that are on Central Africa time, because of the high volume and usage of the internet on Wednesday mornings around about this time, that's why I did the online poll. Um, just please go there and, and just complete that poll for me because we were suggesting maybe uh, doing this stream in the afternoon, you know, either four o'clock or five o'clock or six o'clock or seven o'clock, just to get away from the high you know, a volume of internet use. 
So just um, go onto my Facebook page, click on it so I can know the percentages and then we can try it from there. So trust that you were blessed. Trust that you got it. So I, I can hear the questions. I can hear the questions. So Pastor John, are you saying that Jesus would come again? It's not what I said. He's appearing, but we'll deal with that another time. Your heart peace, joy, rest. Amen. Mm, I've seen your grace from the mountain. I felt you there in the valley below. I see your love and your mercy, you're guiding me home, yeah. I know you're in every season, I feel your hand bringing peace and control, Jesus your love is my anchor, you're my only hope, you're my only hope. I will trust in you, I will not be
stay silent our hearts on fire jesus our victory oh this is the sound of triumph the song inside us jesus you're my victory we won't be silent our hearts on fire jesus our victory the song inside us oh our hearts on fire jesus our victory high on the mountain we will be lifting our voice and in the valley we will be dancing for joy in every season lord you are worthy He's got a cough. <laughs> he's been doing it for us and he's been battling with a bit of flu. So bless you, Johan. Just uh, uh, members of ACF, I just want to continue to ask you and, and friends, keep praying um, for the, yeah, for this virus to end. And I want you to be praying for one another as ACF members. And there's, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of people that are, are really battling. And, um, you know, with the phasing in of people that are allowed to go back to work, some of our people are and some of our people can't. And so, want you just to be in prayer and uh, um, you know for for one another and just reach out to one another contact one another phone one another love one another really appreciate it and once again your just your incredible faithfulness in your giving I mean I know some of you are really going through tough times and it's really tough but when I just look at your giving I you know it's just I, I'm just to use a really crass statement I'm blown away I'm really just amazed so bless you and just continue to call in your harvest, grace, peace, mercy, mercy, and strength. Take out of this time whatever you can take out of it. Get out of it whatever you can get out. Don't forget tonight, nine o'clock, Jared Cooper's on Let the Prophet Speak. I'm coming up, I don't know which night. And um, so it's going to put our viewership and put us onto the map quite phenomenally. People all over the world are watching. So love you all. Johan, bless you. Love to Taryn, love to the children, bless you. And uh, we see you Sunday morning. Amen. Sunday morning. Awesome. Sunday morning. Love you guys and uh, bless you all. Keep praying for us. Keep praying for me. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of study. And uh, when I come out of this, man, oh man, you guys are going to be busy. I'm going to be doing a lot of <laughs> So love you all. Bless you. Rest in freedom. Amen. <laughs>